Today we're going to continue talking about um, continue talking about money. Everybody loves to talk about money. You talk about money at your house. You talk about money when you're going to spend something. You go to the grocery store, you talk about it, you come in, first thing you say, you know how much money I spent? Light bill comes in. You know how much light bill was? We talk about money all the time. Do you know how much it cost me to fill up my, my vehicle with gas? We talk about money regularly. We don't have any problem with it. We don't back up from it, except when you come to church. Then everybody gets real squirmy. They get uptight. They think, well, the preacher didn't take up a special offering. We can do that if that makes you feel better. That's not the intent. But as I've been praying for these little few weeks of a series of messages here, one of the most prevalent things in our minds right now is money. How are we going to pay? Inflation's up. How many of you went to the grocery store and realized things are up? How many of you filled up your car lately and know how much the gas is up and your electric bill's up? Everything is up. A dollar doesn't go as far as it used to. So it's something that we're all dealing with, right? So last week I told you, this, uh, I talked to you and I, and I taught you that it's okay. God's okay with you having some money. Today I'm going to talk to you about what the three things that you can do with money, and I'm going to give you uh, some scriptures on each one so that you know just because your grocery bill goes up and just because your gas bill goes up in your car and just because all these other expenses are up, you know the, do you know the number one thing that, that, that happens when those things go up where you stop, where you cut money to save money? Do you know where that's at? Say it again. Tithes and offerings. You can just go look that up on any internet site. Now, tithes and offerings, giving to the charitable givings, it's up overall. Okay? I mean, as far as it's always been up for charitable giving. But in recession times, we see that giving tends to drop down. You know why? Because nobody in the church is going to call you and say, hey, you didn't send your tithes in. You didn't give to the building fund. You didn't do it. Nobody's calling you. But the electric company will call you and say, hey, we would have got your lights off. They don't call. They just got. <laughs> they just got. If you go in and your credit card don't work, <laughs> your credit card don't work at the, at the at the pump. Guess what? You don't get any gas. So you make sure those things are in place that you can continue to function. Here's what I have found: most of us qu never quit going and doing things. We just cut out our giving. Now I'm not saying we do that here. We've been having a great giving here. But I want you to understand there's some things about giving that uh, you need to understand and what the Word of God says. I started last week with this. Everybody wants it. Everybody needs it. And everybody talks about it. But if you talk about it in church, all of a sudden it's the sin of all sins. The preacher talks about money. I like money. Is there anyone here that doesn't like money? I didn't say love money. I like money. I like to pay my light bill. I like to, I like to cut that air conditioner on 65 and sleep at night. Come on. Hey, pull that cover up and blow smoke. I like it. I like it when I get up this time of year and, and frost and, 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 and condensation's on the window. I like that because I slept good. Amen. I like to be able to go buy groceries, and, and I love little Debbie's. Can you tell? I like those things. What, what, what do we have to have to get those things? Do you know God set up money? Do you know God, when he, when he created and he formed the earth, did you know that God said, there's going to be a monetary system? 
And somehow we think God is afraid of money. That when you talk about money and you put God together, all of a sudden you're a prosperity preacher. I think you've known me now. I said this last week. I've been here 12 years, and I've never, only one time that I know of that I've talked about money. So this is the second week. So this will be three times in 12 years. But I want you to understand that money is a good thing. Money can be a great thing. Just like, just like Facebook can be a great thing. You can communicate with people in your past that you wanted to connect with. I see people get on Facebook and say, I found such and such ring. Does anybody know this? I found it in this place. And you, you watch some of those, and all of a sudden, somebody claims that. That's a cool thing. Oh, that was my mother's heirloom or whatever, you know. It's just great. Then you can get on Facebook, and it's not so good. So you can use money for good and bad. Amen? And so... Um, we talked about last week, we found out in the third book of John, chapter 1, because there's only one chapter, verse 2, you don't have to turn there, that God wants you to prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. He wants you to be prosperous financially. He wants you to do that. You know why? Because this building didn't get built just because. The chairs didn't get bought just because you thought it was a great idea or the Lord was here or we come and prayed over something. Even if these chairs had been given to us, somebody bought them. Somebody paid for it, okay? So uh, money is a good thing. God wants you to prosper. God wants you to have enough. And I can show you that several times today in Scripture about God wants you to prosper. Now remember this. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, this is what the Word of God says. Do you understand that God gives you the power to earn wealth? Did you know God gives you power to earn wealth? It comes from God. So let's look this up in Scripture. And if he gives you power to earn wealth, you think he's okay with it? If he wasn't okay with it, he wouldn't give you the power to earn wealth. Okay? So watch this in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is in this day. In a few weeks, or in the next week or so, we're going to talk about Deuteronomy chapter 27 and, verse, and chapter 28, which are blessings. I want you to be blessed. How many of you know that at the end of every service, I bless you? I bless you for increase and prosperity and wealth and peace and, and all that in your home and favor. You may have heard that before from me. How many of you in the last uh, year have had some kind of increase, a raise, a job, something, a promotion or something? How many... I can, I can tell you there's a lot more than this. I think it works. There's one, there's one. It works. The blessings of the Lord. Okay? So, there's three things that you can do with money. You know what they are? I said them last week. You can spend it, you can save it, and you can give it. Everything you do with money goes into those categories. You can spend it, you can save it, and you can give it. Okay? So, everybody say, spend it, save it. And give it. Man, if we can just get our minds to those three things, spend it, save it, and give it. Most of you hung up on the first one. Spend it. So I I wrote in my notes here, instead of giving you a bunch of scriptures, this is what I wrote. It's no problem for most of you to spend money. Have you ever noticed that? You got up and came to church this morning and spent money. Unless... You, you got his clothes on. You, you got in a car that you put gas in. You got in a car, hopefully, that had tires on it that you purchased. And you drove it here. And you're going to go to, 
well, you don't have to go out and eat today, but some of you brought some food that you purchased, right? Amen. You spent money just to come to the church today. It may not look like it, but you spent some money just to come here. I tell Ethan all the time, son, let's figure out how we can save money because it's no problem to spend money. Mr. Bobby Miller used to tell me, he said, when you get up and go to the farm shop, you spent money. Is that true? He probably told you that a bunch of stewards. He has hands all the time. Yeah, if you got up and go to the you spend money, you're going to spend money. It's no problem to spend money. Uh, Henry Ford said it this way. He said, I am proud of the money I've made in my life, but I'm more proud of the money I have saved. Henry Ford was a brilliant person, by the way. He had, uh, well, I don't want to go in that story because that's, that's not, we got stuff to do. So, <clears throat> three things. You can save it, you can spend it, you can save it, and you can give it. Number two, you, we can save it. So, why would we save money? Why would you save money? There's various reasons why you save money to purchase something, saving for retirement, saving to buy a house, saving so you can go on a trip. There's various things that you can save money for. But let me give you some statistics about saving from, uh, from the uh, Bureau of uh, Statistics on saving. In 2020, a survey was revealed that the average amount of savings was around 3500 while the, the median emergency fund was around $2,000. That's in 2020. So the average person in America had $3,500 in savings and $2,000 in an emergency fund. If you got that, that's great. But you're a blessed people. You should have more than that. Every one of us in this room can find more ways to save money. He said, you don't know my finances. Well, you know my story. I have been broke before, absolutely broke. So broke, it was no need for me to file bankruptcy. That's how broke I was 30 years ago. Amen? So I'm not talking to you from a position that I don't know what you're going through because I know what you're going through. I know what it is to go borrow green beans from your parents that put them up in glass jars to eat. I get all of that. Okay? But if you're making an income right now, you can probably save something. I remember a guy when I was uh, at my lowest. He said, put a glass jar, a glass, anything that you can see through, and put it on your dresser. And he said, if you can save a quarter this week, put a quarter in it. He said, don't touch it. And he said, if you'll go by and you'll look at it and say, I've, got, I've saved a quarter. And next week, if it's another quarter, you put another quarter. And he said, for, before long, you'll have a dollar. And he said, when you can put up that one dollar, you put that dollar in there. And he said, it'll, it'll help you to understand that saving does matter and it will add up. Some of you spend more on Coca-Colas or Pops. If you just spent, what, what does a 20-ounce or 16-ounce uh, bo bottle of Pop cost right now? Does anybody know? So from 2 to 250 depending on where you're going. Do you know if you just cut out one Pop a, a, a week? $2.50. Did it just help you and find you some room where you can buy? Where you can save money. You can save money on all kind of stuff. All kind of ways you can save money. You just got to gotta learn how to do that. So watch this. So if, if, you're, if you have $3,500 in savings, you need to have more. Because how, how many of you know if that's what America has as an average, that ain't very good. God is above the American average. God wants you to have more. Amen. He wants to bless you. I'm going to show you that in a minute. Nearly 3% of people have no money in savings. 
In America alone, that's about 9 million, almost 10 million people have zero in savings. Zero. They have zero in savings. Does that alarm? That alarms me to have zero. I've been there where I had zero for a long time, and then I found out, let's put a quarter in here and let's go. Amen? That means if something happened in your life, you, 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 you don't have anything. You need to learn to save. I'm going to teach you some principles on how to save and what the Bible says about you saving money. You, you need to save money. As a, you need to start saving. I teach you. Well, she's not in there. I teach my little grandbaby. You can spend some of it. You can save some of it. And you give some of it to the church. Now, her giving is a challenge. She has no problem saying, Papa, I can buy this and this and this. You got to put some in the piggy bank. Mm. She understands the concept. She puts it in the piggy bank, still hers. But that giving thing, she no longer has control of it. She gets messed up right there. You know what she reminds me of? An adult. When we lose control of it, we get messed up when it comes to money. Oh, I got to give it. I can't. Mm. But if I needed it, let me save it and I'll really pray about it and see if God really wants me to give it. Well, He's not wanting you to give so God can have more in His bank account or the church can have more in the bank account. He's, he wants you to give so you can change, He can change your heart. See, the lack of you giving to the Lord is a heart condition, it has nothing to do with God's broke because He's not broke. It's funny that God uses a monetary system, but yet he doesn't need it in heaven. You ever thought about that? He uses a monetary system in the world, but he doesn't need money. So don't think you're trying to get money to God. You're not trying to get money to the church. He's trying to get your heart right. So let's move on. 4.3% or 4.4% of people have more than $100,000 in savings. 4.4%. In America, I'm speaking of America, have more than $100,000 in savings. I ain't there. But I'd like to be. How many of you like to have $100,000 in your savings account right now? Yes. An additional. If you got $100, you got $300, you got $4 million. How'd you like to have another $100? Well, sure you would. Be foolish to turn that down. It's okay to save money. It's okay to have money. You need money. Most people, roughly 22%, have anywhere from $1,000 to $5,000 in savings. That's 22% of the population in America. Between $1,000 and $5,000 in savings. Should you save? How many of you believe you ought to save? Okay, let me ask the question again. How many of you believe you ought to save? Is this microphone working? Because not everybody's raising your hand. You need to save money because something could happen to you. Husband, you could die. And if you don't have some type of life insurance, some kind of savings, what's your family going to do? 
We'll learn over the next few weeks that if you don't provide for your family, the Bible says you're worse than an infidel. That's what the Bible says. So you think it's important for you to save if the Bible makes that kind of statement? Sure it is. You need to save money. You need to stick some. You don't have to. I don't have to have everything we got. We could do away with a few things. in our. I could cut back on the nine boxes of the Little Debbies and put some in the savings. <laughs> Praise God, we don't have to. <laughs> but if it come down to it, I'd say, honey, I'd just buy seven boxes of Little Debbies. But please, please buy those little fruit-filled apple pies. Y'all ever had those little Debbies? If y'all hadn't had those, y'all not living. Those things are, yes, I'm, I got a brother. Come on, say amen out loud. Yeah, look, at he feel the Holy Ghost over there. Those, those are, wow. I mean, that's right under Nicole's desserts. Anybody ever had Nicole's desserts? You go down to uh, Cowpen, that's hers. Glory to God. Do you hear me? The woman can cook some dessert. Do you hear me? I mean, good stuff. So these are right under that. Amen. In Proverbs chapter 10, verse 4 says this, He who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who gathers in the summer, here's the saving part, who gathers in the summer is a wise son. He who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. What is he saying there? He said, you know, we know that in Bible times there was a lot of farming. It was revolved around sheep herding, cattle ranching, and farming, that kind of industry. And he's saying he uses this in harvest. If you don't go out and gather when you can, guess what? You'll cause shame when you need it. When you, in the winter... If I, if we would be a fool. Uh, Shannon, it would be crazy if we were to go out and plant a crop and work all year and not, not go harvest it, wouldn't it? There's going to be several people mad at me. Number one going to be the bank. Number two is going to be my wife. Then the grandkids and so forth because they don't get anything, right? So when, when you can go out and make money with your hands, you should do such. And you save that back. Watch this. Let's go back to verse 4. It says, but uh, he who has a slack hand becomes poor. If you don't want to go work for it, you're going to become poor. The Bible says that you should enjoy the fruit of your labor. That means it's okay for you to have a few things. You should enjoy that. And if you don't want to work, then don't complain about somebody that does work. What did I tell you last week? Everybody's okay with everybody making money. You're okay with me making a good salary to church as long as I don't make more than you. Come on, that's the way it works. Especially in the church. Now, nobody complains here. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying, it's okay to have money. It's okay that I, I think you're, you have a lot of money. Man, you got, you got a million, I'm okay. As long as you don't make a million and one over me. As long as you don't make more than me, you're good. But the moment somebody, well, they must be doing something wrong. They must be doing something evil. I bet they're selling drugs. <laughs> Come on. That's what we think. We think something illegal is going. We know they're not working that much. They don't have that kind of job. So if you want things, watch this, verse 4 again. But the hand of the diligent, that one that is steadfast, that one that goes out. and He says, that one, he makes rich. 
How many of you know that there's principles in the Bible that you won't have more until you're okay, you manage what you got? Do you believe that principle? If you don't, then give your child $10,000 worth of cash and, and send them to school on Monday. All of a sudden, you're fixing to believe that principle. No, they can't handle it. No, they don't know what they're doing. They just go right and give that money away. That's what, you, that's what they would do. I'll buy everybody's lunch today. They're kindergarten, so since they can't count, they just gave $10,000 for somebody's lunch. Just take it all. They don't care. They don't know the value of it. They don't understand it, right? So you wouldn't do that. But you have no problem giving your grown kid $10,000 because you know that you've taught them well and they manage, right? So there's principles in the Bible. If you learn to manage, guess what? God will increase you. Amen. Some of you think, well, this ain't a very spiritual message. God speaks about money about 2,300 times in the Bible. I think he's trying to get something across. Now, I'm not taking up a special offering or anything. I'm not asking you to give 1000 so the Lord's going to bless you with 10000 That will never come from me. And someone's in this pulpit that says that, I promise you, I will stop them and say, that's wrong. We, won't, we don't do that here. You don't do that. That's not, that's not, that's, that's ignorance. Okay. Proverbs 21, 20 says this. There is a desirable treasure in oil in the, and, and in oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man squanders it. What is he saying? It's okay to save. Oil was precious. They would take the olives in, and they would squeeze those olives and get oil, and they would sell that. That was a type of money system, a barter system. And he says, it's wise for you to take that and store that up so that you can have something later. Okay, that's what this verse is talking about. So it's important that he says that it is a desirable treasure. It's okay for you to have savings. It's okay to have oil so that when you get home, you can go trade. It's okay for you to have money in the bank so that when bills come to you, you can pay them. Glory to God. Proverbs 13, 22 says this. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. But the wealth of a sinner is stored up for the righteous. It says that a righteous man, a good man, works with his hands, he gains, he saves, and he gives to his children's children. Now, here's the deal. It doesn't say you've got to give them a million dollars. There's no amount on here. But there should be some set up. A good man leaves some inheritance. How does he leave something? If he don't have it, he can't leave it. So he's got to save some of his money in order to pass it down. I'm teaching you some good principles right from the Bible. The third thing we can do, because we know spending is not a problem, you can save it. Look, there's, there are hundreds of verses you can literally go find on saving money in the Bible or that refer to you saving money. We should save money. Amen? Number three, give it. Here's where everybody gets uptight right here. Giving. We got, we, got, we got to give. Well, they ought to get their own. Well, I tend to agree with you there. But there's more than just you getting aggravated that the person on the corner. 
that hands up a sign. It says, we'll work for food. You know they ain't working for food. You know if you offered them uh, something, they're not going to, you know, they're not going to do that. You know that. You say, I'm not giving to them. That's just throwing good money away. Well, I agree to the most part. But what if it, if uh, you pull up to the corner and there's a guy there with a sign says, need money. And the Holy Spirit picks your heart and you know you ought to flip out a 20. Would you? No, you would wrestle and talk with the Lord and argue with the Lord. Hopefully that the red light will change so you can move through. And you say, well, Lord, I would have, but I'm... See, when the Holy Spirit works on you about giving somebody the $20, your blessing doesn't come because you gave because of them what they do with it. Your blessing comes because of what you did. Your blessing is never determined on what somebody else does with what you give them. Please understand that. Your blessing does not come because this person takes $20 from you and go, go, go spends it on booze. It's not the way it works. Your blessing comes because you've been obedient to the Lord and, and Him telling you what to do and you do it. The Bible says that I would rather you be obedient than give me a sacrifice. I'm going to tell you a story. It happened right here several years ago. I was here and I was in my office one day and uh, we had a guy that would always come around and he was, uh, I don't know what he was. He was a drunk, a dope, whatever you want to call that. But he, he, he did not work. He, he, he would come by and he would say, uh, Preacher, is there anything I can do around the church? And sometimes I had a few things for him to do and I'd have him pull a weed or this, that, or the other, you know, and, and uh, I'd give him five bucks or whatever. He just wanted booze money. That's all he wanted or, or you know, I call it booze. Is that the right word now? You're, you're in that. Is it booze, still booze? Whatever I want to hear. Amen. Beer, alcohol, toxic drink, whatever. But I know that's what he wanted to do. And so I had done that for several months around here. And one day I was leaving. I, I got in my truck and I was leaving. And I realized I'd forgot something in my office. So I get out of my truck. I, I open my door and I go back in. And when I come back, he, he had already walked down and we were right over here. And he's right there. I said, oh, man, this ain't the day I want to be Jesus, okay? And so... He says, preacher man, is there anything I can do around the church? I, I, I really need some. I'm hungry. When most of those people tell you they're hungry, they're lying. But anyway, that's a different story. So, so he says, I'm so hungry. I hadn't eaten three days. You know, gives you the story. And I'm in a hurry. And I said, well, whatever I got in my pocket, you could have. Now, look here. Don't think I'm being super spiritual. I knew about what I had in my pocket. I knew it wasn't a whole lot. <laughs> I said, but whatever I got in my pocket, you can have. I reached in, and I whipped it to him, and it was six bucks. He had everything in my pocket, though. I said this to him. I said, do not go over there and buy booze. Oh, no, preacher, I'm hungry. I got to fill up. I hadn't eaten two or three days. I'm going right to McDonald's. All right. So, anyway, I'm not sure what happened there, but I had to come back into church. And anyway, so it wasn't but just like 30 seconds, a minute. So I get back, and I go up, and I needed gas. So I pull in Exxon, 
and I'm there at the pump, and I put my gas handle and my, my nozzle in, and I'm filling up with it, and I look up, and lo and behold is my dear, precious brother. Now, I just am human, and I assumed in the brown bag wasn't a happy meal from Exxon. I didn't assume that there was a chicken biscuit in there from the Exxon, that good deli that they have over there, you know, the greasy spoon. I assumed there wasn't a pack of gizzards in there. I said there's beer in that sack. I know y'all are more spiritual than I am. I'm just telling you what I felt like. I'm pumping my gas. I put on my holy robe. I walked up to him and I gave him a what for? Don't ever come back to the church and ask for a time. I told you not to come over here and buy a beer. And I told you, you, you said you was going to McDonald's. He said, preacher, I went through there and I got, I got some food. I said, you didn't have time. If you're wondering, he did have alcohol in his bag. I go back over by truck. Man, I am furious. Got my $6 that I'd worked hard for. Pumping my gas, and it's like the Holy Spirit standing behind me with a two before hit me in the back of the head. Whoop! Said, What are you doing? Thinking, God, you know what he did, but I told him not to. The Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, You don't get blessed on what he does with it, you get blessed on whether you obey me or not. So when the Lord, if I pull up to a stop sign, it's got to be the Lord. I can hear the Lord, I know the Lord. I know when he speaks. He says, throw out a 20, they better get a 20. Because my blessing is not based on what they're going to do with it. It's based on, you see, he's trying to keep my heart right. See, that's the problem with giving. Most of our heart's not right. I'm not saying you go down here and find somebody to do that to. No, listen to the Holy Spirit. Because he's really trying to do something in your life, not theirs. Did you catch that? He's trying to do something in your life. Not theirs, because as I said last week, if he can get money through you, circulating through you, he, can, he has no problem getting it to you. The problem that most of us get hung up on is getting it through us. Man, y'all receiving this, I'm telling you. Mm. So we give it. Proverbs 19, 17 says this. Who ha- who, he who has pity or is generous to the poor, lends to the Lord. And he will, he being God, will pay back what he has given. You don't lose it. If you do this with the right heart, you don't lose it. The Bible says that if you give it, he will give it back what you've been given. There's principles in this word. We used an illustration last week with, uh, with Rusty. We use you today. See, I'm picking on you today. Man, you the man. You should have sit somewhere else where I couldn't see you. I used this illustration last week. If you go and buy seed in the bulk bags and put it in your shop, and about June, you go back up to the seed company and say, Hey, bring me some more of those big bulk bags because my seed is just multiplying in the shop. Is that going to happen? No. No, you got to turn it loose. You got to let it get what? Out of your control. See, in seed, you got to take that from your hand where you got it controlled in an environment in a shop. It ain't going to get wet and all that stuff. And you got to put it in the hands of Mother Nature. That is crazy. If you don't think Mother Nature's crazy, ask a farmer. 
Oh, is it going to rain too much? Will you plant it? Oh, should we plant it? Should we not plant it? Is it going to rain too much? Are we going to get enough rain? Did I plant it deep enough? Was it too shallow? All these things because now it's out of your control. And then we get worried. That's why it's a problem for us to give. Because we think as long as we got it, we're going to take care of it. Because we, we, we're obviously, you know, financial uh, gurus. And so we know best. We know better than God, so let me just hang on to it. When the Lord moves on me, I'll give. Proverbs 3, 9 says this, Honor the Lord with thy substance. Honor the Lord with your substance. And with the first fruits of all of your increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Again, in this era, they had wine presses in barns. That's where they stored their stuff, and that was their money system with the fruit and the grain and the wine. They used that to trade and to sell. That's what they used as a savings, if you will, but that's where they, they had that. And he says, if you'll honor me, this is the part of giving, with the first fruits. Most of us give if we have something left over. The Bible doesn't teach that anywhere. The Bible says, honor me with the first fruits. Give to him first. And then, guess what? If you do that, your barns will be full and your wine presses will run over. I don't know about you, but I like my barn to be full. Jacob, you want your grain bins to be full this year and overrunning and bursting? Hey, glory to God. Give. Give your first fruits. You say, well, I don't, I don't farm. That's right. Well, what do you earn? Give first fruits to the Lord, and he'll increase what you got as long as you manage. Most people think this. Here's where we get messed up on giving. They think, well, I gave all to get. Well, you're already, you're already off. Somebody taught you some wrong theology. That is not true. That's not what the Bible teaches. You give with the Bible says he loves a cheerful giver. If the God's got a pride out of your hands... I don't think you're very cheerful. I'm just saying. But if you come and say, Lord, I have, you have given me the ability to earn. And I want to give first fruits to you. And you do that cheerfully. The Lord says, hmm, I can get it through him. Didn't have no problem getting it from him. Guess what? I can get it to him. Now, he's not getting it to you just so you can be wealthy. You know the primary reason God wants you to have money? You may want to stab at it. To build the kingdom. How many of you know it takes money to stop sex trafficking? How many of you know it takes money to send to an orphanage in Uganda to feed them? How many of you know it takes money to send the, the seven or eight missionaries that we have around the world to support them every month? How many of you know that? It takes money. It's not enough so you can store it up. Yes, you save some of it. But so you can give, so he can build the kingdom. That's the purpose of him getting you money is so you can be, help build the kingdom. And somehow we got this mentality that I'm supposed to give so I can get, and we wonder why these blessings is not coming because you got the wrong mind. How much is enough? How much is enough to each one of us? Well, it's kind of relative to your lifestyle, I guess. But then you can say, well, do they really need that? Most of the problem... Most of the time that people talk about other people having too much is because they don't have as much as they got. It's okay for me to say, hey, Doc Russell, you need to sell everything you got. 
It's okay for me to go to Shannon and say, Shannon, I want you to sell everything you got. You ought, you've been, but you ought to give that away. Problem is, I'm not looking in the mirror saying, Marty, you ought to sell everything you got. We're okay with every, somebody else doing it. When we get this mentality that we're kingdom builders, church, we can do things. Hallelujah. Malachi 3, 8, uh, starting in verse 3, uh, Malachi starting in verse 8, says, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, In what way have we robbed you? He says, In tithes and offerings, if this was in red. Verse 9 says, You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour, you out a, pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Verse 11, I like this part. Because some of you are looking for a dollar, but you forget this part. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not, watch this, he will not destroy the fruit of your ground nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you, for you in the field says the Lord of hosts. See, there's something that, that God will rebuke the devourer. It's not about you will get money all the time, but he'll rebuke the devourer so that your crops will go. He'll rebuke, your washer will last longer. Your tires will last longer. <laughs> he'll rebuke the devourer so that you can do more. But first, there's a requirement. You've got to give. You bring to the storehouse of the Lord. When you give to the storehouse of the Lord, it opens up an avenue for God to bless you. You say, well, preacher, what about people who are, um, who are sinners, heathens, that never tithe, that are wealthy? You know what they do? They manage well. But you know what else they do? Do you know that uh, at least the top three people that I know of, richest people in the world, which would be Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, and uh, Elon Musk. You know what? They're wealthy, but do you know what they really are too? You go look them up. They're philanthropists. Do you know what a philanthropist is? Someone who gives. Do you know there's principles in this Bible that you can practice and be a heathen and they still work because they're God principles? They are. And I'm telling you, Bill Gates is an atheist. So he says. But he ain't lacking. <laughs> he buying up all your farmland right around here. He's not lacking. Am I telling the truth some farmers around here? There's principles. Now, he don't know that they're biblical principles probably. I'm telling you, but these open up things for the normal person because not everybody's a 63, 64 billionaire, dollar billionaire. I mean, I don't know any right off. I can't, can't think of any other than them. I don't really know them. But if you know some and you'd like to invite them to church, amen, come on. We just need them to tithe one time. <laughs> come on. Y'all think this is funny. I'm serious, man. I'm just serious. Just one time. The Bible says that the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. Come on. Money is a good tool. Money can be used if it's used correctly. Money can increase the kingdom. 
It's when you get your heart wound up in the love of money. Then you got a problem. When, all it, when it's all about money coming to you, coming to you, coming to you. Then listen to me. If you're, if you're kind of worried about, if you love money too much, here it is. If it's all about you, all about you, and you never give, and you never, it never goes outside your little circle, call your family. And it never goes in. You never bless anybody else. And you, then you have a problem with love of money. Did you hear what I said? If it stays in your circle and your circle only, you have a problem because you see it's all about you. I want it for me. Bless me, Lord. Bless me, Lord. There's a problem. Money cannot always be about you and your needs. Yes, the Lord wants you to be taken care of, but I'm telling you, if you take care of you, take care of the Lord's house, he'll take care of you, and in turn, you can take care of others. And uh, I think it's Ephesians. I don't know if I have it on here, so don't look it up. Ephesians 4, 28, I believe it is. It says, he that stole, let him steal no more, but let him go to work and earn a wage that he may give to those in need. We have a problem given to those that don't want to do something. In, in a lot of circles, we think it's just handouts. Well, they get plenty from the government. Probably the Lord is not telling you to give to them as a general rule. If he does, he's just wanting your heart to get right. See, I'm really not even talking about giving to the poor. I'm really talking about giving to the Lord. Because when we get our heart right to give to the Lord, do you know if we all in this room, and, and, and I'm, I'm not asking, I won't ask for an offering, I promise. I mean, if you want me to. No, I'm kidding. But you know, if we all in this room, 100, we, we have 160 that attend this church. Not all at the same time, unfortunately, but regularly that's what we have on, uh, uh, not just on a roll, but an attendance. Do you know if we all purposed in our heart that in one month we wouldn't have a, a debt? I'm just saying, I'm not taking up an offering. I'm not trying to condemn you or guilt you into giving. I'm not because you do give here. You are wonderful. Me and Bobby's had many conversations over the years. This is one of the best giving churches ever. Bobby used to come to me when he was our secretary and say, oh, God, Whew, I ain't never seen anything like this and get plum excited. and I never dreamed it. This is a giving church. Thank you for giving. But I'm telling you, just because we're a giving church don't mean we can't do more. If you earn $500, you don't want to earn $500 the rest of your life, do you? No, you want to increase that. Church, let's get to where we can be kingdom builders, kingdom-minded this church is okay. Financially, we are okay. Do you hear me? We're okay. We got a little money in the bank. We're okay. Now, we ain't called to be a savings account. God didn't call us to be a bank. But we're okay. We're financially okay. You hear me? We're okay. Plenty of money. But does that mean we don't give? No. That means that we, get, we can continue to give. Guess what? So we can get out of debt. So we can take that money, that $2,100 a month, and we can, we can give to another orphanage. We can set another missionary up. We can, do, we can build the kingdom around here. We can do something here. Man, are you receiving this message like I thought you would? Very cold. 
There's principles in this Bible that work. I struggled with talking about money on a lot of areas. But I'm here to tell you, I've been on the bottom. And I've been somewhere between there and the top, not a, but somewhere above that. And I like it a lot better up right here. Bobby Miller told me this one time, can I pick on you too? Thank you. He said he's seen a time in someone's life, he was, we was having a conversation, that in someone's life that money would have solved every problem he had at that moment or that this person we were talking about. That, uh, there was a time in this person's life that money would have solved every problem they had. Now, I'm not talking about, oh, what about the happiness? Come on, let's don't be legalistic. You know what I'm talking about. We're talking about money. There's a time in my life where if I had X amount of money, I could have fixed all of my issues that were bothering me at that moment. You ever been there? I have many times. Saying, Lord, if I just had this, if I just had this much, I could fix, my, fix 90% of my problems. Most of the time, look here, most of the time when we're in that state of needing more money, you know what our problem is? It's not God. Sometimes it's not even giving. There's another part to this thing about God we'll get into later. You have to do your part. You have to manage. You have to manage budget. We call it a budget. If, if you've, uh, like, like with me, when I do marriage counseling, you got to go through a, we have to, you have to show me your budget. Show me what, tell me your plan. What is your financial plan? Why do I do that? Because number one cause of divorce is finances. Tell me your plan. God wants you to be married forever, so tell me your plan. Spend every, Dave Ramsey says, it, spend every dollar on paper. If you go borrow money at the bank, they're going to pull out this thing called debt-to-income ratio, a profit and loss, and they're going to look at that and see how well you manage. Go, go buy a house. Somebody's going to want, they're going to dig into everything you spend. Just go buy a house. That's all you got to do. And they're going to want to know, they're going to want checks from your, that your mama wrote you when you was 12. They want everything. How'd you spend it? Where's this at? Well, how did you get that money? Why'd you spend it over here? They want to know everything. And then they're going to look and say, well, this is what you make now. This is your, this is your income. This is your outflow. And they're going to keep you somewhere around 25% on a house payment, guaranteed. Uh, Wes, is that about, about a quarter? About a quarter, isn't it? You're in the banking. About a quarter, a quarter, 25% of your income, about all they're going to let you make a house payment on because they know other stuff's going to happen. It's called budgeting. Most people get in a pickle because they don't manage. Most of the time, I'm not saying every time, but most of the time your financial disparity, your financial downfall is because you didn't manage. You didn't have, watch this, I love you, but you didn't have the ability to say, no, I can't go out and eat. No, I'm not going. To, I, no, I'm not buying 27 birthday presents for, for family that I don't know. I made a rule at my house a long time ago. We didn't have any money. We'd go to we'd go to Christmas. I didn't even know the kids' names. Y'all got families like I got. I mean, big families. 
Who is this kid? I don't even know this kid's name. Everybody got to buy a gift for everybody. No, let mom and dad do it. They got more money than anybody. Let them do it. I, I, no, I'm just buying for me. I know y'all didn't do that. You have to mess. Sometimes you got to say no. Sometimes you can't do what everybody else is doing. Why? It's called managing. You got to manage your money coupled with what God's word says, and I promise you, you'll increase. You will increase. Manage money, put God's word with it, and I'm telling you, you will increase. I practice it now for 30 years. It works. But you got to be willing to give, too. If you're hoarding up for yourself, there's a problem. I hope you're learning something about finances. I'm thinking to close. I hope you're learning something about finances. Look, there's so much in God's Word about finances and, and, and paying your bills, keeping your credit up. We don't like to talk about credit in the church. Glory to God. I don't know the preacher getting off in my business. Keep your credit up. Pay people that you owe. You ought to pay people you owe. You know why I know that? I want people to pay me. They owe me. There's not a person in this room says, I hope they don't pay me. Glory to God. I hope they don't pay me what they owe me. hope they just keep that. (laughs) Well, you're just double whatever. Just, Just double ignorant. Keep your credit up. If you obligate, it's a, it's a covenant. If you go down here and you sign for a car, pay that car note. If you sign for us, pay that car. If you get a credit card, come on now. If you get a credit card and you sign your name on that, pay your bill. They did their part. Pay your bills. Pay your credit card bills. Pay your house notes. Amen? Well, Glory. Next week, I'm going to tell you how to do that. And then I'm going to stop talking about finance. i got one more week. But next week, I'm going to show you how to, how to, how to some things, how these principles really work together. And then I'm going to stop talking about finances. Amen? Can I get a big amen here? Because you get real nervous about these finances. Amen. Glory to God. <laughs> I'm going to bless you.